This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we are together to meet with you. And so we pray, Lord, now that you would do something that the world can never explain, and that is to meet with you as we open your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so turn if your Bible, turn in your Bible, please, if you would, to Matthew 23, 27. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. That's where we are. Which says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, garnish the sepulchers of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues, persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? You would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. 
Wow. Anyway, we are now in the sixth woe unto you pronouncement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of stand back a little bit and think about those words. They're terrifying. Woe unto you. Just think about who's saying that. Woe unto you. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, I happen to be familiar with the court systems here in San Diego. And whether you're in federal court, which where we've been, or California Superior Court, well, unfortunately, we've been there too, you fall into what's called in the court system here in San Diego, the wheel system. Now, the wheel system in the judiciary parts there is that you don't know who your judge is going to be. If it's a civil case, you don't know who your judge is going to be. Or if it's a criminal case, you don't know who your judge is going to be. It goes into what they call here in San Diego the wheel system. And from that wheel system, the judge is selected. Now, whether it's a civil case like a patent infringement, like we've been in federal case, or a criminal case, thank God we haven't been there, but nevertheless, where the judge is assigned, then you do, what you do is you try to find out who your judge is going to be from the wheel system, and once you find out who your judge is going to be, you try to find out everything you can about that judge. What were the previous judgments? of that judge, what does that judge like, what does that judge not like. You try and find out all you can about the judge because that's the judge who's gonna make the final judgment in your case. The point is that you don't know who your judge is gonna be in your case, and once you find out who your judge is gonna be, you try to find out everything you possibly can about that judge now. What we have, whether we like it or not, what we have in reality is that we are all in the eternal judicial system and we will all be judged following death. We're all gonna be in court. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, that's legal. Every person's gonna die and after death, every person is going to face judgment. No one can escape this judgment, no one. Ecclesiastes 8.8 Ecclesiastes 8.8 says, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there's no discharge in that war. In a sense, everyone's like enlisted as a soldier in the army of man, and every enlisted soldier in this army is gonna face judgment for his service on earth, which is really his life on earth, and every person is going, and it doesn't matter if a person in this situation asks for a discharge. You know, it says, no, you know, judgment, I'd rather have lunch instead. No, every person that can ask for a discharge from this army of life but as Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says, Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says, there is no discharge in that war. No one can get out of the judgment after death. So we all need to know who's gonna be our judge. And we all need to know everything we can about our judge. Now the Bible is clear. As far as our judgment go, there's no wheel system. There's no wheel system in place where we don't know who our judge is gonna be because for the ultimate judgment, after death, there are not many judges on the bench 
there's only one judge on the bench, and that judge is going to be the judge of all people, and that judge is Jesus. As he said in, in John 5.22, John 5.22, when he said, the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. 2 Corinthians 5.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judge has already been selected who will judge all people, and that's Judge Christ, Judge Jesus Christ. And since he will be our judge, we wanna learn all we can about him. We wanna know what is he like, what is he not like, uh, what is the basis for his judgment. Well, fortunately, we don't have to go around and ask others who have gone through his court, which we clearly can't do. What's Judge Jesus like as a judge? We don't have to read some court transcripts to know what Judge Jesus is like because we have a great record here of the transcript in the Bible. And from this, we know what he likes, what he doesn't like. We know on what basis he judged. It's a great record. We're all holding this record in our hands now. It's the Bible. It's not uncommon for someone who's gonna have a certain judge to go into that judge's courtroom on not their case, but other cases, and just watch the judge on other cases. We did that in Scantabodies. We did that. Some of our civil cases, we're in court right now in Lansing, Michigan, in a civil case involving a plastic blow molding machine company from Austria over the issue of whether or not their machines that we ordered were really able to meet the specifications that we had. And we know who our judge is now, because we're in this case for and our attorney has studied our judge in Michigan. It's useful to watch a judge in other cases to learn more about that judge. And in this passage, here's Judge Jesus, who's gonna be our judge, he's gonna be everybody's judge, he's gonna judge every person, and he's in full swing and full action in this section. And when Judge Jesus, in chapter 23 here, keeps saying, woe unto you, That's something to take notice of. It's gonna be our judge. So we focus on why he said all this, why he keeps saying woe unto you to these people because we get an opportunity to see what Judge Jesus hates and what Judge Jesus will come down hard on in the final judgment. This is the only chapter in the book of Matthew where Judge Jesus has keeps saying these words, woe unto you. There's no other place in the book of Matthew where he says, woe unto you. And there's one word that Judge Jesus keeps using over and over again when he says, woe unto you. And it's in verse 13, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's in verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's in verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's in verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's in verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's in verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Seven times 
In this chapter, Judge Jesus has said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and all seven times, right after that, he used the word hypocrites. It shows us what causes Judge Jesus to say to a person, woe unto you, it's when he's guilty of the sin of hypocrisy. Our Judge Jesus judge all men, and he's got a particular hatred for hypocrisy. Now, what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy, as we've already said, it's play acting. It's acting a role. It's being an actor in life. Just like a person can play act coming to church, not really be engaged in church at all. It might be some other place. Hypocrisy is coming to, that's hypocrisy and coming to church. Hypocrisy is a singing the words of the hymn and not really meaning it. That's hypocrisy and singing. Like play acting, confessing Christ and living a life that's not pleasing to Christ. That's hypocrisy and lifestyle. It's like play acting is like saying all the right Christian words but having a secret life of sin. That's hypocrisy and holiness. I mean, Judge Jesus, he hates hypocrisy and it causes him to say, woe unto you hypocrites. So that means that we need to focus on study and go to the stars and all kind of books like that and look up what is the opposite of hypocrisy because that's what we need to be in order to avoid the woe is unto you. And the opposite of hypocrisy, Merriam-Webster will tell us, is openness, openness. That means to be transparent, where people look at you and say, yep, what you see is what you get with him. No hidden agendas. It means the opposite of hypocrisy is honesty, where people look at you and say, he's not gonna tell a lie, he's gonna lay it on the line like it is. The opposite of hypocrisy is open-heartedness. That means just to be open with people and don't hide anything. The opposite of hypocrisy is to be authentic, to be the kind of people that where others will look and say, you know, I'm comfortable to trust him. I've got confidence in him because he's authentic. He's the real deal. The opposite of hypocrisy is to be sincere, not to appear to be someone you're not, which is what he, what the Lord Jesus, what Judge Jesus is coming down on in this section. Sincere, as you may know, is a very interesting word, it's Italian. Sin means without, cero means wax. So in the great sculptures that they had, if there was something in the sculpture didn't come out quite right, oh, it broke right there, it's okay, just put some wax in it. No one will notice until it gets hot and the wax runs out. So the idea is that just be what you are. Don't cover it up with wax. Be sincere, sincero. Well, here, Christ looked at a coffin and he said, that's exactly the analogy I'm looking for when he says in verse 27, verse 24, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you're like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed, he says, appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. It reminds me of a coffin for one of my family members, one of my relatives who died. And that coffin, I never saw a coffin like it. It was just stark white, beautiful, big star of David on it. And I thought, wow, that's a beautiful thing, you know. 
And so I was so shocked when they lowered it into the grave, that beautifully white box. And then we all took a shovel of dirty dirt <laughs> and we shoveled it on there. And I remember seeing that dirt on that coffin and I thought, no, no, that's a beautiful white coffin. What do you do? Well, that's a practice in Jewish funerals. How tragic it looked to see that dirt on that beautiful white coffin. In that day, when Christ said this, on the 15th day of Adar, which is similar to February, so the 15th of Adar. Adar is also when, uh, when Purim is, when Purim is. I don't know that you need to know that, but you know, that's in case you did. You know, the joke is in Israel that you always, you always remember Purim because you go to the turkeys and you say to them, what month is Purim in? And you know, the turkeys say, Adar, 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 Adar. That's stupid anyway. Um, but anyway, so the tombs on the 15th of Adar were whitewashed. They were whitewashed. The Jewish leader, Moses Maimonides, said that this needed to be done because the tombs were needed to become very obvious because if you touch a tomb, you're ceremonial ceremoniously unclean. So, you know, you don't want to accidentally bump into a tomb, so you need to whitewash them. That's what he said. Well, it was these whitewashed tombs that Christ focused on when he said in verse 27, verse 27, indeed appear beautiful outward, but he said it's what's inside those tombs. Because it's like he was looking with perfect x-ray vision Inside that box, that beautiful white box, and what did he see? Flesh, rotting flesh. What did he see? Worms crawling through that flesh, eating as they went. What did he see? Rottenness, bacteria spreading throughout the corpse, producing those horrible smells that if a body has been dead, please come to a place a body's been dead for a week or something like that, and you walk in the house, you can't stand it. All this is going on that he sees inside these sealed, beautiful coffins. Inside the coffin was a horrible scene, but the outside, beautiful, that white color. And he said, that is a picture of hypocrisy. In verse 28, verse 28, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And that's what sin is like that's harbored in the heart and kept hidden in secret from the sight of others. It just looks so beautiful on the outside like a white coffin, but within its rotting flesh, devouring worms, horrible. And now Christ turns and he focuses on the prophets. Who's a, what's a prophet? A prophet is a person who speaks for God. The prophets are sent by God to men. This is what God said about the prophets in 2 Chronicles 24.18. 2 Chronicles 24.18. They left the house of the Lord their God and served groves and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they wouldn't give ear. When Israel turned their back on God, God sent them prophets, and the prophets had one goal in that 2 Chronicles 24, 19. 2 Chronicles 24, 19, he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. Turn them back, bring them back. He sent prophets to bring Israel back. That's what the summer blitzers 
are all about. They're like prophets that have been sent to Israel to bring them back to God. And when they're asked who they are, well, the report this week, as a matter of fact, this is what it says from today, we'll get it. Hallie and Briona in Cleveland met an older Jewish lady who was standing outside of her house and wanted to know what they were handing out on her street. Hallie told her that they were from Israel Restoration Ministries. And a lady beginning to tell them about her own Jewish, Jewish heritage. She asked if they were affiliated with another Jewish evangelism organization that she had a negative past experience with, but the girls were able to talk about what they were sharing and why they were going door to door. And the lady was very interested to hear about uh, what they had to say, and she invited them to come back sometime to answer any questions she might have as they began reading the materials. They said that they were from Israel Restoration. That's the same as saying, we're from Bring Israel Back to God Ministries. And this is the goal of the prophets that God sent to Israel to bring Israel back to God. And that was the last charge that God the Father said to God the Son when he gave him the great send off from heaven and he left from heaven to be formed in a womb of Mary. And when Jesus Christ looked at himself and he said, the reason I was formed in this womb he said in Isaiah 49, 5, and Isaiah 49, 5, and now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. Bring him back. That's how Jesus Christ is the great prophet of God because he was commissioned to bring Jacob again back to God. But the prophets, that's what it says, the prophets in that Second Chronicles 24, but they were not heard. The prophets were not heard. In Second Chronicles 24, 19, they testified against them, but they would not give ear. It's a tough job to be a prophet because they were killed by Israel, and the hypocrisy was that those scribes and Pharisees, they were leading the efforts to beautify the tombs of all those same prophets that were killed by Israel. And so that's why Christ said in verse 29, verse 29, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. But those scribes and Pharisees said, oh, those people who killed those prophets, they were bad people, they were evil people. And if we've been living in that time, not us, verse 30, verse 30, and say if, you, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. They were saying we would not have put a hand on those prophets, but Christ said, that's not true. That's not true. You're following right in the footsteps of those people who killed the prophets, and if you'd been alive, you would have killed them also. And Christ says in verse 31, verse 31, you be witnesses unto yourselves. He's saying to them, they needed to listen to the voice inside of them, the voice of their own consciousness telling them that they hate the prophets that God sent to them. And to prove that they would have killed the old prophets God, that God sent to him, Christ said in verse 32, verse 32, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Go ahead, Christ was saying to them. You're just like your fathers that killed the prophets because standing in front of you now, Christ could have said, is the greatest prophet that was ever sent to you by God to bring Israel back, prophet Jesus and pretty soon, you're gonna kill the God's greatest prophets, 
just like your fathers killed the other prophets. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.